تلفزيونات فوليفول الست عزيزة المصرية Hello and welcome. You're listening to Karen Boswell in our show dedicated to showcasing and promoting the unique and fabulous free concerts in the concert series at SOAS University. You're listening to the music of Aziza Msriya. And if you like the sound of it, stay with us. In Behind the Music, we aim to introduce you to the music you'll be able to hear live at SOAS so you can get to know it a bit more and get to know the performers, their music and the music in their region before each concert. And it gets better. If you can't make it to the concert, you can listen to the Behind the Music concert recording, which will be available here on SOAS Radio after each concert in the series. In this show, we'll be highlighting the music of Oxford Macam, preparing you for the free SOAS concert that's taking place on Thursday, November the 20th at 7 o'clock in the Brunei Gallery. <laughs> I'm <laughs> 
الشمس عزيزة يا مصرية was the first track chosen by Martin Stokes and Yara Salahuddin, our studio guests, about to take us behind the music of Oxford Makam. So Yara, tell us about that track. So uh, that track was called Iwad Kalimni Baba Gayoraya, which roughly translates as Don't You Dare Follow Me, My Father's Just Behind. It is the most famous song that Aziza al Musrayya sang. She was a what's called a alma, was a, a type of singer in the early 1900s, known for singing songs that, with a similar theme, uh, more informal. And uh, she was of the generation of singers that includes Munir al Mahdiya, who was a fantastic singer. People hear about Umm Kulthum now, but uh, Munir al Mahdiya was also a very strong voice uh, with a great range and they were known for their technical ability and their flamboyance and I think this is a great example of that. You can hear the flirtation in her voice when she's singing it. So she's really inviting him to follow her but she's just telling him to be careful. I chose it because it's charming and I think it's a good example of how lyrics and how themes have changed over time in Egypt in music, in the way they're presented. So we're going to be listening to a contemporary group but playing music from quite some time ago. This concert at SOAS is part of a EFG London Jazz Festival. So I was wondering, Martin, what is the connection between the improvisatory tradition of Arab music and this music that we've been listening to and jazz? Well, both classical Arab music and jazz involve a lot of improvisation. As we know, The improvisation in classical Arab music has got some aspects similar to improvisation in jazz, some aspects of which are are rather different. And what we've always been trying to do in Oxford Makam is to try and uh, perform the classical repertory in a way which is open to all sorts of improvisatory possibilities. This means that we find ourselves listening to the early recorded repertory. There was more group improvisation in the early, particularly the early Egyptian recorded uh, repertory. That's not to say that improvisation disappeared as time went on, but it became more kind of regulated. It became more of a sort of solo affair. And so what you have in the early Egyptian recorded repertory in particular is a song tradition in which there is a lot of vocal improvisation, solo vocalizations, call and response, call and response between vocalist and instrumentalists and what the instrumentalists themselves are doing, which is reminiscent to my ear of the early recording era jazz uh, idioms, traditional jazz, uh, New Orleans jazz, which is a kind of, there's there's always a bit of an element of a group jam uh, about the whole thing. Um, that is something that has somewhat disappeared from the performance norms of, of, of Arab classical music today, and that's something that in Oxford Macomb we've always wanted to try and get back to. 
one of the guiding aesthetic drives is towards something that in this musical practice is called tarab, which means enchantment. And the more that one can improvise and the more that one can improvise intelligently and wittily and beautifully, this is what we aspire to, uh, the more one approaches the idiom of tarab, which is the idiom of the old recordings. It's not so much the idiom of contemporary nightclub practice. It's not so much the contemporary idiom of the you know, the state conservatories around the Middle East. Um, it's not so much the idiom of the mass-mediated styles of recent decades. Uh, again, it's there's an element of nostalgia and an element of, of looking back here. We have two wonderful vocalists, uh, both Yara and Tariq Bashir, both eminently capable of, of weaving this, this vocal uh, magic. And uh, us others, instrumentalists, we weave in and out of that um, as best we can. And we're following a, a, a well-established practice. I mean, again, thinking of the early recording era, musicians like Sami Shawa, for example, on the violin, and Mohammed Al-Aqqad on the kanun, which is the instrument that I play, were absolute master improvisers. They were just absolutely on top of the, the vocal repertory and all of the modal practices associated with it. And um, they were the instrumentalists were very much more than mere accompanists. They were, they were really um, part of the, of the jam. So the connection between, between jazz and and Arab classical music is an important one. I think that the reason that we're billed with the jazz festival might just have to do with the happenstance that the jazz festival was on at the at the moment, and we were all sitting there thinking, well, this kind of makes sense. But I think there's more to it than that. I think it's an, a very appropriate connection. If you're interested in jazz, I think you'd be interested in the kinds of improvisation going on in this music as well. Fantastic. Well, how about we listen to a track that has influenced you that can give people an idea of the sort of musical traditions that you're coming from and then maybe we can listen to something from Oxford Macam and yeah and hear the two that's a good idea I'll, I'll play a, a track this isn't a, a song that, that, that we do but it's an example of the kind of thing that we're interested in it's a, a musical genre a musical practice called Dawar these were quite complex constructions there's 15 minutes of music here so it's long it's multi-sectional but there's an awful lot going on you've got instrumental stuff you've got vocal stuff You've got vocal improvisation. You have got a call and response between the vocalist and the instrumentalist. Um, you've got a section called the Our Hearts. Everyone kind of joins in with a real sort of sing-along tune <laughs> uh, just sung to the, the word Ah. Our heart is the plural of that, so the Ah section. And then this gives way to a section referred to as Henk uh, Warenk, which is a kind of call and response, so in which you'll hear the soloist uh, alternating with his group of uh, accompanists, known amongst other things as the batana, right, which mm -hmm. is a word meaning like a blanket. <laughs> you know, so one thinks of the vocalist on stage somehow um, sort of embraced and uh, wrapped round with his batana, which are the vocalists. So what you've got in this lovely piece of music is the whole range of compositional, vocal and improvisatory and instrumental practices going on. The singer is Ali Abdelbari, who lived between 1868 and 1936. And the dawr is called Salimt Ruhak Yafuadi. Which means you have abandoned yourself, my heart, to passion. It's quite a famous dawr, uh, this having been uh, set to music by Dawood Hosni, a great Egyptian born, Egyptian based Jewish singer, uh, wonderful and very important composer. The recording was made in 1913, so we're talking about real old music here, over a century. Old. And a lot of what you'll hear in this are the kind of practices that have somewhat disappeared in recent decades that we in Oxford Macam are trying to reimagine and to reinvent. Well, let's sit back and be embraced and enchanted. We're going to play the whole 15 minute version, so soak it up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
sounds like it would have been quite a concert to have been at. Is that anything close to what maybe people coming on Thursday might expect to hear? Well, it's certainly something that we are aspiring to, this style of improvisation, this style of performative intensity. This is something that we are definitely after. This is music that is being made up on the spot in the recording studio. Obviously, everyone knows what they're doing, but this isn't music that's written down. That came much later. This is music that people knew through the oral tradition. So people are making it up as they go along. You'll hear them making mistakes. You'll hear kind of misstarts. Uh, You'll hear all sorts of stuff going on um, in there. This is live improvising, and this is something that we are trying to recreate in our music making. So what you've got there is is a tact Uh, ensemble, which is to say a kind of chamber ensemble, one instrument uh, to a part, all of them improvising in their own way as part of the ensemble sound. And what you've also got there is something that is part of a a suite form called a wassler, and this is another thing that we are trying to find our own way of recreating here. So all of these different items in the, the classical, in the early recording era, classical Arab repertory have their place in a broader arc of performance which will start off with an instrumental piece then there'll be some maybe some instrumental improvisation uh, we would then go on to a classical song called a, a muasha which is also full of this kind of group practice ensemble improvisation that would then be followed by some more instrumental improvisation and then vocal improvisations which start off just uh, with the words yalel uh, o night so it's just like a, a kind of a vocalese, if you want. And then that's followed by vocal improvisations on selected couplets of music. And this is all done in a kind of call and response way with uh, instrumentalists. And then the daur, which is the culmination of all of this, uh, would then follow after that. That's very much kind of where everything is directed. And often another aspect of this practice that we are trying to find our own way of doing is ending with a qasida, which is another group improvised bit of, of singing. So that sweet form is called a, a wasla, and stringing things together in this way with lots of improvisation is something that we have trying to find our own way of doing in Oxford Macon. So what does it sound like today? Well, obviously, we're in the interesting situation of trying to recreate and rethink and reimagine early 20th century practices just from the recordings. That's all we have got, right? We don't have musical notations. We don't have anything else. We don't have anybody from those days to tell us how it's supposed to go. We have chains of oral transmission. We have stories. We all know the stories about what this music was about and how it used to get performed and how people used to listen to it. But we don't have very much in the way of historical data of the kind that musicologists would feel comfortable with. So all we are doing, all we're really able to do is watch some of the old films for things a little bit later and listen to these old recordings. And recordings are a very complicated source of information. Okay, because what was going on in the recording studios constrained what they could do. 
an awful lot they can reproduce. So when you're listening to these recordings, you can hear the sounds of people kind of yelling encouragement from the side, because this is a very important part of this music is that people sort of chip in, you know, again, like jazz, right, with a lot of vocal encouragement to the musicians. So you can hear a lot of that stuff going on. But things had to be done a little bit according to schedule, right? You know, these wax cylinder recordings could could be only so minutes long. Um, you know, these 78 RPM recordings could only be so, so long. So people got very skillful, as it were, keeping an eye on the clock whilst they were doing this stuff. So quite how the recording practice relates to the performance practice is something that we'll never know absolutely for sure. So we're doing this stuff in a performance context. We're not recording it. So we are, as it were, having to kind of use our imaginations and our intelligence to do the best that we can in reconstructing these kind of things. But capturing what you've just heard on that last recording, that sense of kind of making it up on the spot, going with where the mood takes us, and trying to do so collectively is very much what we're about. So what we could do now is listen to a recording from a concert a little while back of Mawal and Leeli, and this is Tariq Beshir, our vocalist, accompanied by various other members of the band. Great, let's listen to Oxford Makam. Thank you. 
Yara, what was that song all about? So that was a mawal, which um, Martin referred to a little earlier, which is a, a form of singing. This one was called Maskeen Wahali Adam, meaning I'm wretched, basically. It was composed and recorded by Muhammad Abdul Wahab, the very famous Egyptian composer, and written by Ibrahim Abdullah. It's in the maqam or mode of Nahawand, and I can translate a few of the words. It's very short in terms of the lyrics for you, just to give you an idea of what he's saying. So he's saying, I'm wretched, wasting away after you deserted me. You for whom I left my home and family. Tell me about the roses of your cheeks. Tell me how you are. Reassure my heart, light of my eye. Be close to me and keep me on your mind. This is a very common theme in Arabic poetry, certainly early Arabic poetry. It's often, I think, because of the conservative societies, it's always about absent love and forbidden love. And so there's really, really beautiful poetry written about longing and uh, so many words and, and metaphors for missing someone and distance. And I think actually this is something that is interesting as a choice of song to play for Oxford Macam because we are contemporary ensemble playing earlier work. But the Mawel is one of the few things, well, it was actually the only thing, um, only component of the Wasla that is still practiced today commonly because it is basically improvisation. It can be one word or it can be ah as martin said it can be yalil or night or it can be just a few words in a short short poem like this and it'll be extended as long as as the singer feels so he may say a couple of words three times in this recording and say it ten times the next one uh, depending on how he feels and um, how the the music behind him is sort of encouraging him in which direction and and that's really what makes tarab so the, that, that enchantment that you're supposed to lose yourself in, in that improvisation that he has and just the lack of rigidity there is I think allows the listener to let go and to be taken on that journey so themes of love and, and absent love are, are lend themselves to that kind of improvisation I, I think it's, it's really beautiful and possibly for the performer as well when you're singing this do you get lost how relevant are these themes for you very relevant I think you can't practice a well you can't do a well if you're not in the zone it was the very important role of the, the musicians and still is and we try our best as instrumentalists in the band to to help the, our vocalists reach that tarab as well so that they are often what will happen before a mawel is that the the instrumentalist will be working in the same maqam that the mawel is in the same mode and will give them time to really absorb it and allow their imagination to sort of develop um, before they start singing and that's why it's so exciting to watch and to be part of as well 
And we've been listening to tracks from a, a long time ago, recordings from long before we were born. <laughs> so how relevant is this music now, contemporary music for a, a, a contemporary audience? Do you think Oxford Macam has a place? Or oh, Of course it does. What is the place of, <laughs> of Oxford Macam's music for today's listening audience? I would say that it's really important. We're doing it for the love of it, but I think there's a lot to be gained from putting this effort into listening to these early recordings recordings and studying them you know I'm still at the early stages of people like um, Martin and and Ahmed Salah as well who are taking apart these recordings and really trying to get to the bottom of how this music was practiced is very important now because uh, it's not done anymore you can't go uh, to an, a concert in, in Cairo uh, on an all Saturday night and listen to this kind of thing you have to seek it out and there are very few people who, who do practice it and that's very sad uh, so I think it's it's very important what we're doing in that in that, in that sense. It may not be relevant in the sense that it's a direct link to the sound that's coming out of popular music in Egypt now, for example, but that's uh, the loss of our, my, my generation at the minute. So I'd say that the earliest uh, singers that we listen to, speaking very broadly, is Um Kulsum and Abdul Halim to the 1940s and 50s and this is earlier work than that. I personally grew up listening to the 1950s and 60s music and that's how I fell in love with Arabic music and culture and the arts and all of it. It's captivating and I think that now that I've started to listen to this the, the earlier decades it's starting to fill up a picture for me for a history that isn't very well documented and isn't very well described for my generation. For example, an arts programme or a music programme today, we'll talk about the golden age, and that is the 50s and 60s. But this is the Renaissance age, the one that I had never heard of, and I'm supposed to be someone who, as a young Arab person, was was seeking out Arabic music in, in, you know, with its traditions. So it's very important that we try and preserve this stuff and, and perform it live as much as we can, and that's why we're interested in, in trying to be quite uh, loyal and faithful to the early recordings. It's not really as a, as a rejection of kind of contemporary interpretations or the fusion work that is done sometimes it's it's more that we're trying to learn as much as we can from what we what we've lost today so can we perhaps hear a track with you singing some of this music we'll play a track of some group singing well Tariq and I singing uh, a Moshe called Qad Harakat and I can translate it very roughly again it's a so if they're not singing about love, um, singing about nature, most of the time it's both. Um, and here it's describing how the hand of the breeze moves the branches of the trees, but with very beautiful language <laughs> and old um, old classical language. And so, yeah, I won't translate all of it for you. <laughs> well, that's already a beautiful idea, the hands of the breeze, lovely. <laughs> Thank you. 
that was beautiful. So, Martin, can you tell us a little bit more about the group? Oxford Macomb met up in 2009, we think, <laughs> uh, already lost in, the, in the, the, the mists of history and nostalgia. And um, even we have some difficulty in, in recalling exactly how this all happened. But we were uh, a fairly loose-knit group of, 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 of friends um, around um, Oxford at that time, um, wondering really how we could come together to to play Middle Eastern music. It was as general as that. We didn't really have very much of a plan or, or, or a program. Various people came and went. And where we are now is somewhat the kind of group arrangement that has, has stuck and that seems to have worked uh, very well. Um, there was a time when um, most of us were actually living in London, and I think we experimented with calling ourselves the M40 Macam or <laughs> North Holt Macam, but it didn't really stick. So we just went, uh, Oxford Macam it is, um, e- even though at least a few of us are, are London-based at the moment. We've got uh, Tarek Beshir, who's our vocalist, and um, on top of his, his day job, he's also the lead singer in an Oxford-based band called the Brickwork Lizards. Uh, we have Ahmed Aselhi, who plays violin with us. He's a PhD student at Royal Holloway. He's from Kuwait originally. Um, he's the founder of a wonderful website uh, called Zuriab, on uh, which you'll find a lot of this old music and discussion of this old music. Uh, we have uh, Farouk uh, Esafi on the percussion. Farouk is a, a veteran, really, of the London nightclub world and a very talented uh, percussionist. He's played with Led Zeppelin, amongst other people. Um, there's me, Martin Stokes. I'm a professor at King's College. I'm an ethnomusicologist. Uh, and Yara, um, who you've also heard from um, in this recording session, who's a scientist and, um, and, and our vocalist and um, as, as you've heard, has a great interest in this old music as well. So that's the lineup that we'll have for the concert. We are going to be doing a concert which has got three parts, one focusing on the older repertory that we were talking about, a wasla um, with Mwashahad uh, and Dawr. Um, and then the second part, we're calling Songs of the Musical Theatre. So again, this is early 20th century music, the music is um, associated with theatrical um, entertainment. An important genre of, of kind of, we call it music hall songs, where there's one um, musician who interests us a lot called uh, Sayyid uh, Darwish. Um, he was a great song writer and uh, writing about everyday life in Cairo at the beginning of this moment of kind of nationalist uh, fervor and real sort of a kind of national cultural um, awakening. We're doing two of his uh, songs, which we love to do, one on the subject of cocaine and the other on the subject of hashish. We'll play one of these a little bit later. And the third section is popular songs of the early 20th century, moving a little bit away from the serious stuff and moving a little bit more in the domain, in the direction of the kind of entertainment uh, genre of that time. So that's what we'll be doing. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an incredibly exciting, interesting uh, and important concert. And I certainly very much look forward to it. Thank you very much. So um, we're going to end the program now with this track by Seattle Ruiz. This one is called Al Tahfagiya. Actually, it's the official name, but we we it is also known as Al Hashashin, and it's a fantastic song about protesting. Really, being a stoner isn't such a bad thing, and it's really sort of pointing out the hypocrisy in, in those who judge. Um, and he was very much a singer for the working class and the, the unfortunate <laughs> members of society. And so uh, he's defending the practice in this song. And he's also, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, towards the end, pointing out that uh, nevertheless they're very uh, patriotic people and, and they know when to put the hashish down when their country needs them. So still following that theme. And it's, uh, in as with most of Seyed Darwish's um, music of, of this kind really uh, very witty very very funny and the language is so so colloquial that if for, for modern day Egyptians difficult to understand um, but it's, it's definitely worth looking into he is very relevant to today Thank you well we're really honoured to have had you both in the studio with us and, uh, and to have you performing as part of the SOAS concert series thank you very much thank indeed you very much. Thank you